Hebrews 11, 35 through 38. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. So I was uh, somewhere in adolescence, early adolescence, maybe mid-adolescence, you know, that phase where uh, you still think the best way to find out who loves you is by pushing everyone away and seeing who comes back. And I'm, I'm in the process of doing this to my dad, right, because as, as, a, as a young boy becoming a man, one of the things that you want most is the love and the affirmation from your father. My dad's not particularly um, verbally affectionate or physically affectionate. Uh, so I got in the habit of kind of pushing on him uh, to see if he would come back and express love in some way. I know now how frustrating that must have been for him. But we're, uh, we're out at my grandfather's farm and we're helping uh, put up a barbed wire fence to keep some cattle that he has in the field that he wants them in. And my dad and I are working on this fence and I look behind me and uh, I'm nervously looking at one of the bulls and one of the bulls is nervously looking at me. And I think that doesn't look like a nice animal. So I point it out to my dad, point him out, the bull out to my dad and say, so that guy charges us. Who's going over the fence first? And he could tell I was poking him a little bit. Because he turned and he looked me right in the face and he said, that bull charges us. I'm going in front of the bull. I thought I knew how much my dad loved me. And then he said that and I realized love can go a whole lot farther than you think it should, or than you think it could. We've been reading through the book of Hebrews as a church, studying through it over the last couple of months, and uh, over the season of Lent, we've been in chapter 11. It's the Hall of Faith chapter. It's a chapter that the author is kind of cataloging all of these examples of faithful lives so that his readers, right then in the context they live in under persecution, under affliction, being... Uh, ridiculed for their faith, being ostracized for their faith, he can say, look, what you are going through is not all that much compared to what people of faith in the past have gone through. Surely you can stand up under what you're experiencing. If they could do it, you can do it. We've read about all these great heroes of the faith, Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, the patriarchs and then others. And we, we read last week about uh, faith that brings uh, triumph, faithful endurance that enabled some in the past to conquer kingdoms, enforce justice, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, inspiring things to read if you're facing some of those things. But faith doesn't always bring about victory, triumph. Sometimes faith brings disaster in the passage that we just read. Some were tortured 
Others were mocked, flogged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, killed with a sword, went about essentially destitute and homeless, afflicted, mistreated, wandering around in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth. It's tempting to measure the depth of a person's faith by how successful it is by drawing a straight line between their faithfulness and their blessing, or the way that God seems to show up miraculously for that person. In college, in Bible college, I kept hearing stories about people at the end of their, their monetary finances, you know, at the very end of everything they had, and they, they just needed a certain amount of money for a thing, and they prayed, and a check showed up in the mailbox for that exact amount. Or people who were ill and there's nothing that could be done to help them and the church got together and prayed and that person was healed miraculously. Doctors couldn't explain it. You know, we hear those stories and sometimes think, I wish I had faith like that. I wish I had a strong enough faith that God would come through for me. And then we read about heroes of the faith who were tortured. Mocked, flogged, chained, imprisoned, stone, sawn in two, killed with a sword. Anybody here wishing they had that kind of faith? I wish I had that kind of faith, right? The kind that went, I wish I had the kind of faith that got me cut in half. And not a magician's trick either, like really cut in half. No, we're not. In fact, when we hear of People who have gone through something difficult prayed intensely for God to show up, and then he doesn't, or at least not in the way that gets you into that first half description, conquering kingdoms, obtaining promises, quenching the mouths, or quenching fire, stopping the mouths of lions. Like when, when we hear about people of faith who plead to God for something and they're tortured or imprisoned or stoned. I know we're not supposed to, but we tend to kind of think, I wonder what was wrong with their faith. God didn't show up. On Good Friday, what we remember, what we even to an extent celebrate, though it's a sad celebration, what we celebrate is the faith of the one who was tortured, refusing to accept release so that he could rise again to a better life. We celebrate the faith of the one who was mocked and flogged, who was chained and imprisoned, who was pierced with a sword, went about homeless, of whom the world was not worthy, of whom I was not worthy. When someone dies, we get together and celebrate the legacy of their life, all the people they impacted, the good that they did, the, uh, uh, the things that they moved forward within their lifetime that had a significant impact on the people around them. Uh, but there's only one person, one great man whom we celebrate because he died. Because he died, because when we looked death in the face, and said, who's going in front of that for us? Jesus said, death comes for you, I'm jumping in front. 
Sin comes for you. I'm getting between you and it. And Jesus said, I will be tortured and mocked and flogged and imprisoned and run through with the sword and homeless. And I will give my life for a world not worthy. When Christ gave himself on Good Friday, when he gave himself to the cross for you, for me, he became the one and the only priest in all of history who offered himself, who put himself between us and death. Tonight we remember Jesus, our priest, is Jesus, our sacrifice. Jesus, our king, is in the ground for you and for me.